Welcome to The Mountain Gardener with your host, Ken Lane. Gardening can be challenging, but with Ken's tips, tricks, and local advice, you'll reap huge rewards. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. And welcome to this week's edition of The Mountain Gardener, your host, Ken Lane, here every week for the last, you know, I got to look up to see how long I've been doing this show, 10, 15 years, so long I've forgotten, but every week we're here talking about the landscapes of northern Arizona and and the seasonality, the change. A lot of new folks come into the area and uh, this high altitude very alkaline, very bright sun. Even during the winter, it's it's bright out. It's beautiful. And so you folks in the Midwest or the or the Northwest was just gray all the time. Or or Lisa and I, we had a out of college. We had a, a corporate stint that took us to Sacramento, and in the sun, in the winter, oh, Tule fog. I mean, just so thick you can't see your hand in front of you. It could be that for weeks at a time. Every morning, it's that. And then they would burn the rice fields. And so there was smoke in the spring as they're getting ready. Oh, my goodness. It was a mess. And so during the summer, though, fall, it was beautiful. Lots of lots of bright color. But here we've got it 12 months out of the year or 12 months, maybe only 50 instead of 52 weeks out of the year. It's pretty nice. So last week was pretty cold and gloomy and snowy and wet and just winter and now it's it's still chilly but it's just bright and sunny and cheery you can walk out with a couple layers and it just feels good i did notice that uh, bees are out right now so they're foraging so they've been in their hives they hibernate so they store up honey uh, for for all spring summer fall and then they they live off that right now they live off the honey through winter well as we get further and further into, let's say, into March, they start to become hungry. They've been in the hive too long, and they start to, the males will go out and go forage and go look for, is anything in bloom? Is anything out there? And so fallen apples from last fall, they'll be after those, the sugars in it. Uh, the first, it's not quite ready. I don't think the rosemaries are in bloom yet. So at my house, they start blooming the end of February. Uh, the, the first part of March, they might be down in the Verde, some of the warmer lower air hillsides, Kirkland, some of those lower that 4,000 to 5,000 foot level, they might be blooming yet. But there are a few weeks out here, they're, they're all over those because there's just not that much for the bees to go forage for. And so they're hungry. So the, the gals tend to stay in the hive, take care of the queen, take care of the eggs, take care of the young. And the guys, it's always the male bees that go out and forage and try to bring back all that pollen. Well, they've been out right now. And so I noticed they just came out midweek this week. I think a couple days ago, started to see just a few bees. As soon as it gets cold again, they'll start to go, oh, it's, it's, it's ch- chilly. I'm going back to the hive. We'll stay together in here. And so they kind of hang out in there. So they're not really... They're not looking at you. They're not worried about you. They are just going, I'm just so hungry. What can I bring the hive? What can I go collect and bring back? And so any of that fruit, pears and apples are, are a couple of things that are out there. If there were any left on the ground or on the tree, they'll be after those. Uh, and they need to be. So it's, it's a good thing to leave a little bit of food out there. That's where the pansies, I noticed there were a few on my pansies, the violas. Some things are winter blooming 
type of plants where they like those and they go after them. So it's a it's a it's a good thing. So I wrote an article last week on composting because I've been cleaning up my yard. And so you're as you as you clean up those leaves that fell, you know, two months ago, as you're starting to trim off those perennial uh, dead spent flowers and 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 grass you start to what do you do with all those you can throw them away but boy this is like gold it's like magic for the gardens so soil is everything for the gardens and so if you get the soils right it, it just if gardening is so easy and so composting is pretty easy to do pick a corner in the backyard where you get some sun and then it gets some moisture, so we can have some real dry spells where compost piles tend to dry out here and they stop composting. They just kind of sit there, add a little bit of moisture, and all of a sudden they take off. Now, I know we've had moisture here, but throughout the, I'm talking about seasonally through the year, we have, we have wet cycles and we have dry cycles. So those are two things. Don't put your compost pile in the shade, put it in the sun. I would say at least six hours, seven hours of sun. The more sun, the better, the hotter that pile is going to be. And then I, I wrote an article on what what can you compost, the 50 things that you can compost. And if you want to get a copy of that, it's fine. It's up on my blog. It, it's, it's broadcast all over the newspapers, but it's also kept on our, our website. So watersgardencenter.com. There's a blog button up at the top it's one of the first columns right up there i think it's number two or three it's obviously right there if this is of interest but there's basically two things that you're composting as you start to clean up the yard and so there's kitchen waste which is more green compost material this is uh things with a higher water content these are broccoli stalks and citrus rinds and coffee grounds and corn cobs and uh, all those things that you after dinner you've got this extra you know melon rinds and uh, that kind of stuff that that's green they tend to be pretty hot they tend to supercharge your your, your compost and they break down really fast and they tend to so all that stuff that's in the kitchen is green waste the things that are out in the yard are typically called brown composting material so the greens and there's browns there's more moist the green stuff and they aren't always green i know i mentioned coffee grounds that's not really green but it's a hotter wetter it's just more of a environmental term than anything else uh, grass clippings are really green clippings are they're high in moisture and they break down really fast so the brown stuff is typically going to be more like the leaves that you're picking up and chopping up they're coarser. They tend to add texture, uh, aeration to your compost pile. They're more carbon rich instead of nitrogen rich. And so they tend to add aeration. So these are pine needles, fallen leaves. Uh, if you're raising chickens, that that uh, chicken bedding or horse bedding, uh, even, even uh, uh, chopped up or shredded uh, newspapers, these are all considered brown types of compostable material. Uh, the coffee filter not the coffee grounds. The grounds are green. The filter, you can actually compost that. I'd say tear it up some if you can, but that'll break down very easily and add to your compost pile. Wood chips are considered more brown than they are than anything else. And so you've got those two types of, of, of material. Just think in those terms and you're good to go. Uh, Eggshells are very, very good for the compost pile. 
I would say crush them up as best you can. Don't just crack them in two and throw them in the compost pile or three years later, you'll see half eggshells still sitting there. They break down very slowly. So they'd really be considered more of a brown material than a green eggshells. They're very good for the garden. They, they add calcium. It's just they break down so slowly. It's almost painful how slow they break down. So I, I did mention probably not best to add meats. Meat has uh, dairies, fats, butters, that kind of stuff. Probably not ideal to, to add to a compost pile. First of all, it, it brings in vermin and stuff. But, but there's also some bacterial stuff that happens. And if your compost doesn't quite get hot enough, you don't break those things down. It's not that you can't do it, just it's way more, it's way less forgiving. You got to be more exact or you can make yourself ill by adding that to your soil. Uh, same with poops. I didn't, I said, don't, don't put poop, whether it's rabbit poop or chicken poop, whatever, poops. I wasn't going to cover that because there's all kinds of parasites that come in with poops. And so manures are probably best composted on their own out over there. Don't add it to your compost pile unless you're a really serious composter or you've got a fancy bin where you can just really heat it up or you can get some, some parasite kind of issues. So I just kept it simple and safer for everyone. Then it comes down to the four to one rule when it comes to compost. You want four brown materials. These are leaves and uh, twigs that have been ground up, pine needles. These are all really good. You want four of those to every one of your green material that's out there. So when you're raking up in between the flower beds or, or the, the leaves around the rose gardens, take those. That's all brown material. You want four to one, four brown to one green material. That should be about right to get, get rid of the smell, get rid of the wetness. If you get too much green in there, it tends to stink a little bit. If you get too much brown, it tends to not compost quite as fast. So there's kind of a balance. And that's really, it's that simple. So chop things up, put them in a compost pile, give them some sun, moisten them every once in a while, and enjoy the fruits of your compost. Got a lot in store for you. Got Lisa Waters Lane coming in with your garden questions right after this. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane, owner of Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Join him every week for timely garden advice right for the gardens. Visit Ken where he can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Hi, Ken here with the Plants of the Week and our Arizona Cypress. If you want low-maintenance natives, easy care, and reduced water use, then this is the evergreen for you. When planted in rows, they block the wind, traffic noise, and make the perfect privacy screen, all for under 40 bucks. Comes in an Arizona blue, easy to grow, and prefers monsoon planting. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott, where people who love native evergreens, they love to shop. My living room feels so empty. Now that the Christmas tree is gone, the house just seems so blah. Brighten it up with a big, bold, beautiful plant from Waters Garden Center. Fill that cavernous space with tall tropicals, colossal cactus, and sizable succulents that bring the great outdoors indoors. Make a gorgeous green space you can enjoy all year, not just for a season. Unique, exclusive, one-of-a-kind houseplants found only at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. You've been listening to Ken Lane, the Mountain Gardener. Green thumbs learned while working in the Family Garden Center. Now welcome back to the Mountain Gardener. 
And welcome to this week's edition of The Mountain Gardener. Your host, Ken Lane, here every week talking about the landscapes of northern Arizona with my beautiful bride of 34 years. Happy holidays, happy New Year's, and all of that. Thank you. So it's kind of nice to have the, we shut the garden center down. Yep. And then gave the crew off, just said, here, go enjoy the holidays. Mm -hmm. And then we're back at it like eight days yeah. later. And it's, it's hard to get in the rhythm again. <laughs> it's been nice to be off for a while. I know the whole crew is that way. I'm missing my afternoon nap here. <laughs> I know the, the office staff, they went down to Mexico. Yeah. I think they went down together. We had uh, people coming in from all over. Our mm -hmm. facilities guy had people, high school friends show up from oh, really? Ajo. Kind of. Oh, wow. It was just fun to hear uh -huh. All the stories people had of not just Christmas presents, but the friend, the friendships, right. the connections. Mm -hmm. That's what uh, that's what's fun to hear about. So, yeah. and we get the pleasure of being able to do that financially with the crew. We yeah. can just let them off between Christmas and New Year's, and so it's we benefit as much as they do. You bet. So I'm trying to write an article right now, thinking, what? Well, why do we do that? Ah. What's our philosophy behind that? And it's actually hard to put into words. It's a feeling. <laughs> But uh, we care about way more than customers. We care about people. Mm -hmm. and, and our people are part of the people that we care about, not just customer people. So it's way deeper than just we're here to make money off customers. <laughs> no, we're here to make the community better. And it starts with our own staff. Mm -hmm. And so I don't quite have that worded out yet. It's still coming together. It's kind of hard to put down feelings on paper in 500 words or less that the press will actually... <laughs> pick up so well i'm sure you will accomplish it yeah well i'll run it by you After before a while before <laughs> we bring it bring it to you drink more coffee drink more coffee <laughs> uh okay so this is about garden questions right so it's just what are people talking about mm -hmm. and so uh we have probably less questions because we were closed i don't know last week or is it like pent up demand no i think it's just winter okay. <laughs> <laughs> people aren't quite they're, they're thinking about it, Are they? but they're not quite there yet. Yeah. But Sandy would like to know, when is the best time to cut back your peony and your hydrangeas? Great question, Sandy. So now, so generally all those perennials, really most of your pruning is done uh, January 1 through March. Mm -hmm. And you've got some time. So uh, some things are starting to elongators you can see they're starting to bubble up underneath all that brown growth from last year you're seeing your mums starting to grow mm -hmm. a peony that won't happen too soon you might see the eyes start to form probably Oops. another two three weeks uh but but they aren't quite ready you get all that dead spent foliage in the perennial flower beds mm -hmm. cut them back and you don't have to be gentle none of it's alive just weed whack it mow it off cut it back hedge it get rid of it Go and compost it and then go for it and then fertilize after you're all done and it'll start to bubble up and start to go. It's really comes down to soil temperature and how, how long the days are. Right now the soil is cold mm -hmm. and the days are short, but it's starting to warm up. You're starting to see longer and longer days and it'll get mm -hmm. better and better for the gardens after this. Hydrangeas, same thing. Yeah, they look pretty rough. Take all those old leaves. If there's any left, just strip those off. Same with crepe myrtles. Strip all those off. Cut them back to the shape that you want. And away you go. So that's, do we answer Sandy's uh, 
<laughs> do that with echinaceas, I, yeah. galardias. So there's something like peony, classic example. You cut it all the way back. Right. You're not trying to leave any stem. It's right. not going to come back on those old stems. Right. But there are some things you you need to leave some of that stem, correct? Right. Because they're not they don't come back fresh from the ground. Yeah, some things come back from the stems, the branches. Mm -hmm. So salvias, or salvia gregii, Russian sage, they're coming back from the stems mm -hmm. and from the ground. So if they really get overgrown, you can cut them right back. It's kind of mm -hmm. harsh, uh, but usually we're just cutting, we're shaping them, giving them a haircut. Hydrangeas mm -hmm. generally are that way. Uh, there's really, we can grow deep into hydrangeas. There's, there's some that bloom <laughs> on second year wood, some on first year wood, there's ever bloomers. There's right. so many varieties. It's mm -hmm. hard to, in, in, in 90 seconds to describe it, come see us. We could tell you how, but okay. if in doubt, trim it back some, give it a haircut. Don't right not hydrangeas, not right to the ground. Uh, and then if you see buds forming on that, on the stems that are left, you've got it ever blooming. Mm -hmm. Uh, or it blooms on first year wood, which is all that's all that we sell here at Waters Garden Center because mm -hmm. they bloom better because of our way our winters are. We don't sell the every other like the Midwest varieties. We don't sell those because they don't perform as well. They don't they grow, but they don't bloom. You put a hydrangea out there, well, that blooms. blooms. And so it just depends on what variety. I know if you're buying plants from all over the place right. instead of where they should be buying them from <laughs> your independent garden center, whatever town you're tuned into, uh, they're helping you mm -hmm. garden smarter. But anyway, that's how you do it. Sandy. Good question. Okay. Next one's from Paul. It's his first winter. Welcome here in Paul. Right on. And his question is, is it normal for some plants to have more of a winter or rust or brown color, uh, like in yeah. the junipers, is that sure. a normal thing, or should he be concerned about that? Yeah, so so we call them evergreens or conifers, things that have a needle on them. It could be junipers, cypress, cedars, pines, firs. There's a whole bunch. Anything that's evergreen that's got a needle is probably what Paul's talking about. And they're evergreen, but that's a misnomer. They may not be just like a nandina or heavenly mm -hmm. bamboo for you California folks. That's actually an evergreen. But in the winter, it turns red. So it's ever red in the winter, but then it turns <laughs> green. So it has a seasonal color change. Right. Well, evergreens do the same thing, depending mm -hmm. on what variety it is. So a lot of your, uh, some junipers can get kind of a purplish tinge mm -hmm. to them. It's quite pretty. And then they'll they'll turn right back to the gray or that Arizona blue color that they that they were during the growing season. Mm -hmm. uh, some, some of your broadleaf evergreens. And get this yellow tinge. If you didn't fertilize them last fall, they can get kind of a yellow chlorosis. It's the short days. And so right. you'll get some of that. To, to, to see a, a color change in the yard from your evergreens, very common. The way you get past that or to bring out more of that color is you're fertilizing the fall. And that's why we push fall fertilizing so much uh, is to keep the health and the color of those plants rich and thick through the winter, through the darkest, shortest days of winter, it keeps them looking better. Mm -hmm. But to see, see color, not, not, I'd Don't say perfectly out. good. Yeah. If in doubt, take a picture. Everyone's got a cell phone, bring it in and we could tell you in a heartbeat. Oh yeah. That's, that's how mine look too. You're good. So <laughs> I think that's fine. Okay. Uh, hopefully you have time for our next questions from yeah. Diana. She wants to know, is it too early to begin soil prep for raised vegetable beds? Yeah. And then also, what would you add besides just soil? That was Janice. 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 So, um, yes. So you, you've you got 
we'll start plugging um, vegetables, uh, potatoes, onions, the early greens, uh, mm -hmm. lettuce, broccoli, spinach, cauliflower, all the foliage kind of stuff. We'll start planting those in March. So you've got six, eight weeks. You've got some time. It's time to do it. Generally, after the first of the year through February is when we do most of our soil amendments. Mm -hmm. And so you really do what the book says is put a two-inch layer of organic matter. A lot of that's manure or compost over the entire garden and turn it to one shovel's depth or one rototiller or just basically about eight inches. Mm -hmm. Turn that in. And that's how you prep the soils. You really do, if you're using a lot of manure, you really do want to do that ahead of the planting season. So you want it to settle and percolate and mm. you want a snowstorm or some rain to come in there to help neutralize all that nitrogen that you have. Especially if you're using really hot manures like chicken or turkey manure, they're very hot. If you were to blend that in and plug your lettuce in right afterwards, you might wilt just because it was so hot. Yeah, It was too hot, too much fertilizer, or it just elongates. You put, there's different reasons you want to do that, but do it now. Let it set for a couple of weeks. And I guess if you really got into it and you wanted to plant like next weekend, water it, put the irrigation on <laughs> and just play yeah, nature right. and just kind of neutralize stuff. But I would put a fertilizer down. There's a, there's a vegetable food that we sell here. That's mm -hmm. organic. I would add that on top of the two inch layer of, of compost or manures, turn all that in together, let it set, start plugging or planting March one. That's mm -hmm. what I would do. Great okay. questions this week. All right. We're out of time, just like that. Lisa Watersley in the studio with your garden questions. We'll be right back right after this. You're listening to Ken Lane, a.k.a. The Mountain Gardener. Ken can be found throughout the week in Prescott at Waters Garden Center. Listen each week as he answers timely garden questions unique to mountain gardens. Gardening and you don't know where to start? Waters In-Home Garden Service comes to you and identifies what you have and how to make it better. Design advice, water strategies, vegetable and flower gardens, soil and food needs, and problem solving. Always problem solving. You'll instantly be a better gardener. All for just $200 of expert time with a coupon to fill your garden dreams without ever leaving home. In-home garden consultations from Waters Garden Center. We can be at your home this week. Hi, Lisa with the Plants of the Week and our Goshiki Holly. Goshiki translates from Japanese as holly with five colors. Its new leaves emerge red, then turn green. The entire top of this holly is draped in colors of cream, white, gray, yellow, and green. This evergreen makes the perfect accent, hedge, or evergreen container for its all-round good looks. A really nice plant that shines through winter is just $39. Waters Garden Center, where people who love Japanese gardens, they love to shop. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lane. Join the conversation every week as he answers timely garden questions. Email Ken a question directly from your phone to his desktop through the web at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Now welcome back your host, Ken Lane. So we are starting to bring material plants in for 2022, the 2020 spring season. So, and it all starts with, well, houseplants had a big load of houseplants come in because we know that you've got this big open space where that Christmas tree was. It feels a little dusty, open, I don't know, needs some green in there. Uh, the, the days are short and so you need some something green to look at. And so we bring, we stock up. 
with from air plants to floor plants, big tree kind of things, to lots and lots of hanging types of materials. And also, we've, we've started to ship a few of the flowers in. So there's a whole series of winter blooming types of plants. So you've got a, a bed out there. The gardens can look pretty, pretty stark right now. But if you put pansies and violas in those containers, they just bloom their hearts out. They love. Last week when there was snowing out there, they had some snow on them. They could hardly see the sun. They sort of drooped over. As soon as that sun melted, they perked right back up and went, oh, the sun, I'm so happy. So you're starting to see that. Another, let's see, two weeks, we've got our first load of lilacs and fruit trees, shade trees. We've got quite a few evergreens already in here. What I would thought I would do is, how do you plant that living Christmas tree? So you had a, a living pine or spruce or fir or or cedar, a, a tree that you brought indoors to decorate for the holidays, how do you transition that back out of the house and start to plant it? And it's really quite easy. You can plant now. The soil, I've dug a, few, a hole this week. It wasn't frozen, so it was workable. So as soon as that ground can thaw and you can stick a shovel in it, you're good to plant. So you're, it's not like, it's really the ice that, that forms. So you folks at the higher elevations, the Highland Pines, the Williams, the Flagstaffs, maybe you've got an ice barrier up there or permafrost. Uh, but down here at the 5,000, 6,000 foot level, it's, it's open. It's snowy. Uh, but as soon as that snow clears, you can plant. So no, no worries. So take that evergreen out there, put it right in the ground. But before you do that, get it used to that Cold weather again. It's got to go from warm weather, tropical indoors. You had it connected. You had your house at 70 degrees. It's got to get used to 22 degree nights or whatever our colds have been you know, this week. So it's got to get used to that. And usually you'll take it outdoors and put it underneath a deck or next to the house on the south side, someplace sunny. It's amazing how much warmth your sun, the, 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 the house throws off with some sun reflecting on it. It's the perfect place to get it used to it. Keep it there for three, four, five days, just till next weekend when you're ready to plant. Just let it hang out there on that south side against the house. Let it get used to the cold. After just a few days out there, it's okay. The, the sap has stopped to flowing. It's, it started to going, okay, I'm ready for winter. Let's go out in the yard. Now, now it's, you've got the metabolism slowed down so that plant can, can take on whatever winter brings its way, like the rest of the spruce and pine that are in your neighborhood. Then you put it in the ground. And, and what you want to do now, most, most folks are using evergreens as living trees. So it's a traditional you know, Christmas tree looking thing, but not, not everyone. But generally, evergreens are very sensitive to soggy soil that doesn't perk very well, doesn't drain very well. So you really want to dig that hole. When you're putting that hole in the ground, dig it the same depth as the root ball, but really wide. And then if in doubt, this is really important for you folks on that 69 corridor or where you've got a lot of caliche layers coming on where the soil just, you had an alternate uh, septic system. You folks don't know who you are that have really hard soil. If you've got that, plant that plant on a real slight mound. That'll help it drain when we get this. Remember last year, the, the monsoon season, lots of moisture. So when you have wet cycles like that, you want to make sure that root ball can breathe no matter what, what rain or snow come, is thrown at us. 
that root ball can, can breathe. Otherwise, it can tend to drown. So evergreens are sensitive. Take that soil you dug out of there. So same depth, three times a width, slight mound. Dig any, any, any debris bigger than a golf ball. Get rid of that stuff. Filter it. Some of you will have, hardly have any soil left. But screen out the big chunks. Any old root ball, any old roots, weeds, get rid of that. Amend about one part mulch. We have premium mulch that we use as a compost material to three parts native soil and blend that one part, three part together. So you want to aerate that soil, blend that together. That's your mix to backfill around that root ball. Put that soil around there, pack it in really tight, then sprinkle a handful of all-purpose plant food on top of the root ball, watered in really good. I mean, watered in really good. I don't know how moist this uh, last storm made the soil, but it's probably still dry or not as moist as you think it is. So really wet it, wet it down. Wet down that root ball, wet down the soil you backfilled with, wet down the surrounding soil so it's got some, some moisture. And then you're going to water it. You're probably going to irrigate it like that a couple times a month through March or so. After all that, I'd water it in with a two-gallon bucket of root and grow. It'll help it start to root out in that ground. But mulch, food, root and grow, same depth, three times a width. Plant it now, you're good to go. And that's how you plant a living Christmas tree. Whether you used it in the living room or you just want another evergreen in the yard, that's how you plant them in January. The Mountain Gardener, your source for timely garden advice right for higher elevations. Guaranteed to make a difference in your yard this season. Let's talk poop. Hey, I'm Tommy at Waters Garden Center. Ken and Lisa are out right now, so I snuck in to remind you that it's time to add some manure to your garden. It's been a wet winter, and your soil is well pooped. Waters Barnyard Manure adds nutrients to get your garden growing. It's organic and orderless, so we really can say our poop don't stink. Buy six bags or more. They're only $5.99. Now that's a load of crap. Tommy, what's going on? Oh, poop, gotta go. Natural, safe, odorless, and organic at Waters Garden Center. Hi, Lisa with the Plants of the Week and our Austrian Pine. We have instantaneous trees just in and ready for planting. This pine has the same long needles as our Ponderosa Pine without all the problems. And these trees are really big and bold. This is the fastest growing at the Pines, and lots of sizes to choose from, but the $249 model is exceptionally big. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott, where people who love big, bold pines, they love to shop. You're listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lane. Mountain gardening is very rewarding, with a few of Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts sure to turn your thumbs even greener. Now welcome back to The Mountain Gardener. And welcome back to my favorite gal in all the world, Lisa Waters Lane. <laughs> no hesitation. Meant to I mean anything. Forget. No, I just kind of I was thinking about something else while talking. It's bad. Anyway, soon that's forget. ADD. That's a problem. <laughs> it's called or a life of an entrepreneur. <laughs> anyway, Lisa comes in and just shares her garden inspiration. Breaks up the monotony of a guy just talking for an hour straight about gardening. Plus, I like hanging out with you. So, and you're interesting. You're I fascinating. I find fascinating. You keep drawing me in. 
No, you're easy. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't that easy, honey. <laughs> uh, I'm always trying. That's true. I told you, I'm always, I never get tired of trying to woo you. That'll like uh, get all the younger folks going, woo, what are woo. they talking about? That is woo. <laughs> I was driving my grandmother up from Tucson. She was dying of cancer. And so this is 30, 50 years ago. Drive, drive down. I'm not that old. <laughs> 30 years ago, whenever it was, I'm going 50. I doubt if I was 20, but I'm coming back up the hill from Tucson. My brother and I went to go pick her up, brought her back to Prescott because this was her home. She was, mm -hmm. she was living with her son down there, my uncle. So she wanted to die at home. And so mm -hmm. she lived maybe, maybe eight, nine months after that, but she came home and we're just chalk. She's chatting up. She's not in pain. We don't have all the hardware with medical stuff. She's just in the back seat talking to us. We're in a 1981 Chevy Chevette. That you older <laughs> folks, if you know what that, they don't, it was such a piece of junk. They don't even run anymore. Uh, but anyway, coming back up the hill and she's going, oh, well, tell me about this girl you're courting. I'm going, courting, courting. What is that? You mean dating? <laughs> what are you, what? Uh, so she's just talking back and forth and going, that's an old fashioned word to court a to gal. Court. I don't know yeah. if anybody courts courting. anymore. I'd court you. You would. I'd also jest you. You'd also woo me. I'd also woo you. Anyway, enough about that. People are getting bored about <laughs> stuff. Stop oh talking. Yeah. Tell me about gardening. Inspire me about gardening. <laughs> well, it's winter. Got to have something to talk about. You just had a boatload, a truckload of houseplants coming. It's kind of like Christmas all over again. Yeah. So last week, I, I gave seven reasons to have houseplants yeah. in your home. So this week, I thought I would show off some of those amazing houseplants that you can put into your home awesome. that are super amazing. So for those of you who are watching the vlog, yep. you will actually get to see them. For Yay. those of you who are not watching, just listening, you'll have to come down and see what I was talking about. Or I can use lots of my old-fashioned words that have been forgotten to describe them. So maybe you can, ins <laughs> I'll inspire them with fancy words anyway. You'll have to look it all up. Uh, no, maybe about. not. So yes, we did get houseplants in. We got some, we get the the, the pothas, yeah. you know, dracaenas, some of those that you're just used to seeing and growing. But we also try to bring in some things that are a little bit different that aren't as common out there. So I'm going to start by showing a few of those things Good. that aren't as common. Love it. Uh, and really cool plants to go. The first one is a zebra plant. Zebra. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I won't try to make a zebra. I'm gonna, what does a zebra say? I don't think it makes that. Yeah. Right. But so this is a zebra plant, really cool plant, likes bright rooms. Um, and it likes moisture. So if you're one of those people that really kind of likes to water a lot, um, this could be a good one for you. It's kind of, you'd treat it almost like you would treat a fern. Um, they like the bright light. Having fun with Thank the you. camera. Sorry. Gonna, gonna you start, keep talking. I'm going to call you Vanna. So no. <laughs> the, the radio folks are going, what the heck are they doing? Yeah. Uh, and really neat little bloom on there. See that little yellow bloom? Very it looks attractive. It's prehistoric. Yeah. It's kind of soft. I don't know. It's it's almost got another bloom coming out the side. Very bright like yellow. A bromeliad yeah. bloom on it. But, um, you know, not for maybe a novice. Probably wouldn't want this plant if you think you have black thumbs. Don't start, Maybe, start with the pothos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of build up to this one. Uh, but it's just super cool to look at with the, the green and white veins on there, the striping, hence zebra plant. Yeah, it's neat. Um, so neat one to have. 
just takes a little bit of extra special care. You know, we have in our house, we have a whole house humidifiers. Yeah. We add, that's a game changer for plants oh, yeah. like this. Really, Definitely. if you've got wood burning fireplaces and that kind of stuff, maybe it dries it out a little bit too much for this. Right. But if it's it's a cooler room, maybe a back bedroom, something, a bathroom, a kitchen, right. this is perfect. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So the next one I brought, maybe not as uh, unusual, but I thought it was so pretty I had to bring it. So this is a Hoya. This one's a variegated Hoya. Um, those, Look how long that is. That's I crazy. Know. Long tendril. It's got to be three, four feet long. I love the variegation on it. And I love, it's not as, you can't probably see it as well on here, but it starts to get in the winter, it gets more of a pink color to yeah. it. Uh, so really cool plant to have has a nice waxy leaf. So it is a very drought hardy plant. Um, it's one of those you're not gonna have to run out and water it every few days, you're going to water it once a month, twice a month, just depending on how warm your home is. Uh, bright light likes a bright room um, to keep the variegated on it. So if you have it in a too dark area, it'll start to lose that variegated color. It'll just be more green. Green's good. Which is good. In a dark room. But you, you bought a variegated plant. Yeah, you found especially Hoya. <laughs> not La Hoya. Just Hoya. Hoya. Mm -hmm. Hoya. Hoya. Oh, <laughs> so anyways, fun plant, Hoya. We have them in just green as well. Um, some of the bigger ones, we have some big eight inch pot ones that have a lot of pink on them. Very, yeah. very pretty. It's got a real thick, fleshy mm -hmm. type of, of, of foliage, which right. is almost like a succulent. So no yeah. wonder it's so drought hardy, right. so easy to care for because mm -hmm. it's so, it's virtually a cactus only pretty. <laughs> it is pretty. Yeah. Uh, the next one I brought in. So this is a goldfish plant. Yeah. Well, that's kind of neat. It's in bloom. So, guess neat. why it's called a goldfish plant. <laughs> those, those, uh, let's see if I can get on the camera. They look like goldfish. They do. So those are little goldfish plants. They are a blooming plants. So they just kind of do a cyclical bloom. Uh, of course, they want a bright room, yeah. not direct sun, but a nice bright room. So big bay windows or something, that'd be good. Mm -hmm, sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you were to feel it, you'll see that it also has kind of a real waxy yeah. leaf to it. Yeah. So it would need more water than, say, a Hoya, just because it has smaller leaves to it. But it's still not a... Um, it's not one you're gonna have to worry about constantly watering, like a fern or the zebra. But I noticed, too, cool. that as things bloom... As plants bloom, they tend to need a little bit more moisture. Mm -hmm. When they're out of bloom, they don't need as much. There is right. a cycling. There's a there's a, a, a way to care for plants mm -hmm. that you kind of get a feel for right. as you garden more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Goldfish. So plant. if you find you have one and you're like, oh, why hasn't it bloomed? It could be you yeah. are keeping it a little too wet. That'll yeah. keep things from blooming. Or it could be your fertilizer. You might need to shake up your fertilizer a little yeah. bit and get something with some higher phosphorus, that middle number, uh, to encourage it to bloom. You know what I think find really helps? Things like uh, uh, African violets, mm -hmm. bromeliads, uh, lipstick plants, goldfish plant, that uh, root and grow, that liquid. Oh, yeah. uh, we make a compost tea mm -hmm. here at the garden center. We call it root and grow. It's for transplant shock, but really it's for grow. Houseplants love this stuff, they do. so they respond yeah. really well with it. It's a liquid, water it in once a month. Nice oh, organic, really, yeah. very mild. You're not going to burn with it. Safe it's, for that new puppy dog. We're starting to see new puppies come uh, into yeah, the garden center, kind of socializing the them. <laughs> it's so cute. It was adorable. So the other plant, I'll have you pick it up, Ken, is a mini monstera. 
um, also sometimes called a Ginny philodendron. So this is a plant that um, actually has been around quite a while, but <laughs> just <laughs> having funny. fun, whacking um, her in the head with the, yeah. with the foliage. You're so it's kind. so tall. <laughs> So it's a plant that really has been around, if you remember it from the 70s, yeah. early 80s, but it's actually come back into popularity quite a bit. Um, and they actually are a little bit harder to find right now. Yeah. Uh, so, but just even though it's called a mini, it still would get big. Yeah, this so, is four feet, four, it, it's all relative. Every bit of four right? feet tall. Yeah. yeah. And it's growing more. So they can get up to, I think probably out in the wild they yeah. would get up to 12 15 feet probably not so much in your house unless you have just like the perfect arizona sunroom to put it into but come down and check them out we are out of time thank you lisa i know you got mm -hmm. more to go but uh you look at all the house plants here at waters garden center and talk to lisa and the, the crew mm -hmm. my daughter Mackenzie is one of the buyers mm -hmm. my other daughter her twin sister megan uh, we, we all know houseplants really well, and there's a lot to show you. So Ken and Lisa Lane, the Mountain Gardeners, be right back after this. Look for more tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts through Ken's website. Podcast the show, read his weekly garden column, or follow him on Facebook and Instagram at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Once upon a time, Fred the Sage and Bob the Yucca watched a herd of deer eat their neighbor's garden. Hey, Bob, said Fred. It's a good thing we're native Arizona plants from Waters Garden Center. Right, Fred, said Bob. We can handle tough prescott dirt, hot sun, low water, and we look great in the garden. You betcha, Bob, said Fred. Hummingbirds and bees love us, but that deer sure doesn't. Be like Fred and Bob. Go native at Waters Garden Center. Safe, natural, and organic. Did you know that plants can help you sleep better, naturally? At Waters Garden Center, we have beautiful houseplants that not only look great, they clean the air we breathe. Get this, some plants can actually produce oxygen at night and even take mold spores out of the air, making for less tossing and turning and more beauty sleep. Don't lose sleep, rise and shine with unique, gorgeous houseplants for your best rest yet at Waters Garden Center. Sweet dreams! Welcome to the Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane. Gardening in the mountains is different. Listen to Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts guaranteed to make your gardens more beautiful than ever this year. Now for better advice that works locally, welcome your host, Ken Lane. We had touched on how to get the soils ready. Let me go deeper into that subject because Now's the time. As soon as you can see the soil, that snow is melted, you can start amending and getting ready, getting that soil ready to receive plants in the spring. And spring hits here in the mountains of Arizona earlier than just the spring, than, than the March 21st or 20th date. It actually hits here, especially on the south side, south slopes, lower elevations. It really hits you folks down the desert. It's here. You can plant now. Uh, the radishes, the, the the lettuce, it's going in up here at the higher the mile high. I think the garden center here at Waters is at 54, 60, 5,460 5, feet, just shy of a, of a mile high. And so most of us are plus or minus 1,000 feet of this, this range. That's northern Arizona. Okay, Kingman might be a little, Skull Valley, a little bit lower. Uh, some of the higher elevations, the, the, the Williams, Payson, there might be some higher ridge lines, but, but most of us, 
Eh, we're up here in the mountains. Four season climate. We've seen some snow, some, some nasty weather. It's been cold, but now it's bright and sunny. As soon as that snow melts, you can amend the soil. And you do really want to add nutrients. And really what plants need in the spring, especially if they're going to produce a lot of fruit, that is tomatoes and big heads of cabbage and, and large melons, they need a lot of nitrogen and phosphorus. If you're growing a lot of flowers, big dahlias, gallardias, you like uh, your zinnias, those need a lot of phosphorus. That's nitrogen, phosphorus, potash. Nitrogen is the first number in a fertilizer. That creates green growth, lots of foliage. You want to get those sunflowers really tall, add nitrogen. Phosphorus is the middle number. That's what causes roots and blooms. If you want more flowers, bigger sunflower heads, not just taller plants, you give them phosphorus. You want bigger tomatoes? Phosphorus. And then potash. That's, uh, that's uh, disease resistance, sturdiness, uh, th the leaf thickness, the stems, how long the stems are in the foliage, the, the branch thickness, that's, that's potash. And so you want all three. You need a balance. You need some other things like iron and magnesium and copper. Those are minor trace elements. Those are less important. If you're adding manures into your gardens, you naturally get some of those. Because as animals eat those and poop them out in the yard, in the, in the farmyard, wherever, you compost, you're getting some of that magnesium and copper, boron, those things naturally through your, cop, through your uh, manures. So I would say that's your number one uh, additive to a soil, especially this early January, February, this is the time when you add manures. Now, we are in horse country, and so be careful of horse manure. A lot of that is, I mean, when you have a new horse, the second thing you do, you come, you you, you put him in his paddock, he's, he's got his barn area, he's ready to go, you've got a new new saddle, you're just going, oh, this is going to be so great. Uh, and, and then you go make a sign inside the yard. You put it out in the front yard and you say free manure because you know that's going to pile up quick. And so there's lots of manure access, uh, but, but a lot of that raw manure is too raw. So horses, as they eat things, if it doesn't compost well, you, all you get is alfalfa or, or Bermuda or or straw, or you just get weeds coming up in the yard. You don't want to spread fresh manure out there, especially horse manure, because you'll get a lot of weeds introduced. If it's composted down for 9, 12 months, that's good. Get an older pile, that's great. Otherwise, get it on your property, compost it yourself, then add it to the yard. They're also very high in salt, so all manures. When they haven't been leached of their salt, it can burn plants. There's some other things. There's, some, there's a huge grub that loves manure piles. You don't want to harvest this manure, put it to your gardens, and all you did was put this huge grub that's going to eat the roots off your new seedlings. So be careful with that. You want to compost the manure. We've got uh, um, a barnyard manure that we make here at Waters Garden Center. It's a deodorized. It's several manures. We took the bedding with it. And so it deodorizes. It's not gooey and gross and stinky. It's not going to stink your car up. In fact, you open the bag, you can hardly tell that it's manure. And so it's, there's not chunks and goo. and just, Most manures are so disgusting. Not this one. It's pretty nice. But it's rich in nitrogen. That's what adds green growth. Phosphorus, that middle number, remember, roots and blooms are phosphorus. Uh, there I would add 
some bone meal. Bone meal is zero ten zero. It's really ground up chicken bones is what, what bone meal is. You add some of that at the time that you're planting and that will add or time you're mixing your soils and that'll add like jump get that phosphorus count way up so your seedlings will just start rooting out like crazy. They reach for this bone meal and try to pick it up. And then they use that to form the fruit late spring and summer or the flowers for your dahlias or your zinnias late spring and summer. So you do want to add some of that. Uh, potash, you really don't need a lot of potash here in Arizona because we've got so much ash in our soil to begin with. In fact, there's just natural volcanic ash throughout a lot of the soils that are here. So even our water is very alkaline because of all the ash that we have naturally occurring in our soils. If you have a really old, you've been working this soil for years, maybe you could use some. Uh, same with lime. You look at your national uh, your national programs, they're going, oh, and while you're at it, add some lime to sweeten that soil while you're turning your soils. Don't do that in Arizona. You will kill off your soil. You can kill things by adding lime. What lime does is it raises the pH. So, so if you, other parts of the country are very acidic soil. Here we have very alkaline soil. So if you add more lime to already alkaline water, alkaline soil, you can literally jack that pH up to where plants won't grow. And so really, it's, you, just, you, you want to be really careful with, with the advice you're trying to read into and use in your own yard, at least in this little bubble called Northern Arizona, where it's, it's unique here. It's different. So don't add lime. If anything, you're adding soil sulfur. I do add sulfur, mainly in the spring. I don't add it at the time that I'm turning my soil. I add it when it's all turned. At the very top, I'll, I'll kind of spread it throughout the entire yard, uh, usually the end of February or March. I want to add that to my fruit trees, to my uh, blackberries, to my shade trees, my roses. It just brings the color out, brings the fragrance, brings the flavor. Uh, soil sulfur lowers the pH and makes it more acidic. So your plants, your evergreens really respond to soil sulfur. So just to counter the, the whole hydrated lime thing, I do sell it here, but every time you ask me for it, I'll question you going, are you really, are you sure you want this or do you really want this? But you want a two inch layer of manure or compost. We make our own compost here too. It's called Waters Mulch. It's a composted, we've got an old sawmill over in Taylor, Arizona that we harvest the 50-year-old the saw tailings. And we, we screen that down and that's the compost that we're bagging up. So it's locally sourced, it's for us, from us, for, for our soils. But you really wanna add about a two, three inch layer over that entire garden bed to refresh the soil. You wanna add a, 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 some, some nutrients. What I'll do is in my vegetable beds, I'll add a fruit and vegetable food. So we make an organic pelletized food. We just you sprinkle that on there on top of the, the manure. I'll blend that all together, one rototiller's depth or one shovel's depth, and just turn that whole, that whole additive into that soil from last year. And now you let it set for three, four, five weeks. Then you can start planting. So that's when your potatoes and your onions and your garlic, your lettuce and your spinach, uh, the, the end of February, first part of March, that's when you're starting to plant your cool 
season plants. You're not putting tomatoes in. Those are, we wait until Mother's Day here in the Central Highlands area or the end of April, first part of May, somewhere in there, because we can have frost. To the, so the, the summer plants go in after the last frost date. But the cool season plants, they're going in way before that. And that's how you get the soil ready, both of them. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to local garden expert Ken Lane, the owner of Waters Garden Center. He can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center, located in Prescott, 1815 Iron Springs Road. Thanks for tuning in to The Mountain Gardener. Wondering why my garden looks amazing? Well, that's personal. The personal garden shopper service at Waters Garden Center, that is. Before talking with my personal shopper, I had no idea which plants would be best for me. But now my garden is bursting with flowers and buzzing with hummingbirds. Just go to watersgardencenter.com, click on shop, and choose personal garden shopper. A Waters Garden expert will pick the perfect plants for you, personally. The personal garden shopper, only at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Hi, Lisa with the plants of the week and our single blue pinion pine. This new blue variety lends to a tidy appearance in a bold, tough tree. Highly desirable for its edible pine nuts. So eat up. Let it grow wild. Or this 10-foot tree can be shaped for the holidays. These perfectly formed trees are just $85 and only found at Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. Where people who love native pines and pine nuts, they love to shop. You've tuned in to The Mountain Gardener with local garden expert Ken Lane. Join him each week as he answers timely garden questions that are sure to make a difference in your gardens. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. This is kind of exciting. Uh, we, we have our very first garden class coming up next weekend. So next Saturday at 930. And through the spring season, well, every Saturday at 930 is a free garden class. And we can have anywhere from 20 to 100 people show up. Sometimes it's standing room only, the tomato or the wildflower season or gardening for newcomers. There's a lot of different classes that we offer and they're all timely. They're, they're appropriate for the right time of year that we actually garden with those plants. So next weekend, it's actually on houseplants. We had a whole bunch of houseplants come up. Here's how to grow them. Here's how to use them. Here's how to care for them. If you're new to gardening or you've got a new house, you're not quite sure which plants will go in the bright room, which one's in the light room. you got a new Arizona room, new bedroom, new which ones. We can help you figure out which plants are best for what part of the house. Not all plants will go in everywhere. Some are kind of finicky. You want to put the right plants in the right place. If you do that, you just have success. The following weekend, it's the top, basically it's landscape design. How do you design a privacy screen? What's the balance between spring, summer, fall, winter, fertilizing? How do you do all this? And so the, the last Saturday in January is how to plant wildflowers. It's time. January is the peak time to put wildflowers in soil prep and it just keeps going on and on and on you can take a look at all those I won't go through the entire list there's like three dozen classes through spring every saturday and so fruit trees uh, evergreens that bloom and just all kinds take a look at watersgardencenter.com and they're right there there's a big button on the front of the website that says classes they're all they're all right there for you if you're new to the area that i think it would really help you not only do you get some it's an hour kind of here's how you do that subject but you also get to hang out with 
other gardeners and get to feed off of their questions. What are other people looking at? There's a lot of new folks that come to these classes. So you won't be alone. You won't be the only one. And there's some old pros. that They're, they're halfway entertaining, I think. I teach half the classes. Michelle will teach some. Doug, I've got quite a few, quite a few experts here that we just rotate depending on the subject or who's traveling, who's out, that kind of stuff. So it's it's always informative, about an hour long, and they're free. Please, they're there to help you be a better gardener. Our philosophy is if we help you be a better gardener, you'll actually start supporting, you know, independent, smaller independent garden center. And so you'll want to come back and buy your plants from us because we helped you garden better with those plants. And that's that formula has worked for us for 60 years now. And we're not about to change. So it's just kind of that's the reason I write a weekly garden column. So last week it was on the 50 things you can compost. Uh, this week it was the houseplants that best grow here. So each week it's seasonal. And so we'll go over garden soil prep. How, that's like that's in the garden rotations in the writing rotation so it helps you get it right for here and it's not something we just i'm not just going to pull something off of google and republish no this is actually us this is what i did in the gardens this week and here's why you want to do it in your yard and here's how to do it uh, there's photos there's pictures i mean videos we try to make it professional we put a lot of energy into our garden columns and then it's so good that the the press, the, the newspapers, they're begging for really good local content. And so they pick that up and and run with it. And so, but if you want to take a look at those, right next to the classes button on watersgardencenter.com, there's a blog, B-L-O-G blog. It's the garden column. That's the repository for all the garden columns or any kind of press release. Things that we write, we put on the blog. It makes Google happy. Plus, it's easy for customers to find it. It's easy for our staff to go. They don't want, they don't want to feel like they're left out in, in the dark. It's right there. You can take a look at what, what was written this week. It's a new garden year. You can actually do some things in the garden or get soils ready out in the garden. So uh, if you need help, Lisa and I love, we're here all week just camping out, helping local gardeners. And we love talking to fans of the show, of course. Say that you tuned in. You've tuned in to Ken and Lisa Lane, the Mountain Gardeners. May your gardens be prosperous in the new year. As the days get longer and brighter, houseplants can struggle and scorch, but we have the solution. At Waters, we've organized our houseplants from A to Z for the brightest of sunny locations, many even bloom. With experts that know plants and how to make them grow. Shipments of the freshest houseplants in town have just arrived from A to Z and ready for a bright new home. Waters Garden Center, where people who love bright green houseplants, they love to shop, found in Prescott. If you want a more fruitful garden, increase success in your landscape that just feels better, then tune in every week to The Mountain Gardener. Years of tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts are guaranteed to make your gardens nicer than ever. Listen to this podcast or read Ken's weekly garden column by visiting watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Thanks for tuning in.